Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by this message from Pastor Charlotte Quist. I don't even, I don't even really know how to start today. For those who are looking for a peppy message, you might have landed in the wrong spot, but I am so grateful for those that are in the parking lot, uh, worshiping around the radio, those who are watching from home, those who are online. This morning, I do believe I have a word from the Lord. And so if you are, um, if you're watching on some other means, just pop on Facebook and let me know that you're there. Uh, Man, last week we had three services at our capacity. And this week, there is only the worship team in the house. And it is brutal. And yet, I know that God is doing something. He is at work. And so I just speak blessing to you today. For the moms, I do say happy Mother's Day. I know this is not... It's not the same as normal. And um, I was saying to the team today, you know, I can't even, I, I mean, I know it's Victory Church. Like we're, we're supposed to be up. Sometimes up means that we go deep so that we can praise big. And so today, I, you know, I think it needs to be acknowledged that there's probably not a mother on the planet that isn't grieving something today. Um, We're very conscious that every Mother's Day, sometimes it's a first Mother's Day, sometimes it's a first pregnancy, sometimes it's, you know, just the the birth of new life, and it's so exciting, and it's so wonderful. Sometimes you're in the trenches with toddlers, and you really need a day to be honored and blessed, and uh, in fact, if you've got toddlers, that needs to happen as much as possible, but there's also... um, There's also times when we have to pause and we have to realize that in this year, there are people who are, you know, there's moms who are away from their children and their grandchildren, and their arms and their hearts are aching. And there's those who are choosing to be together regardless, and they've had to make a conscious decision to go against the guidelines and go against the rules, and there's a, there's a, a tainting of what should be the joy. There's those who have lost family members this year who have lost maybe a mom or maybe a child, and you haven't been able to have a normal funeral. You haven't been able to grieve normally. There's those who have lost, have lost pregnancies, have had miscarriages, and you haven't been able to be comforted and move forward in support groups like you should have been. This is a season where, where there is a grief in motherhood. There is a place where even uh, those with little children, I know moms with little ones who are concerned that now that we're past a year of masking and separation, and whatever. They're concerned about the development of their children. Are their kids developing normally when they can't see? If, if things aren't normal, they can't engage with other children the same way as they should have. And so there is a grief. And the thing that's in my heart today, I just, you know, as I was preparing for the weekend and I'm looking at all the beautiful Mother's Day cards and we do honor motherhood, but rarely do you get um, a mom preaching the Mother's Day message, whose heart is broken. And so today, this is a Mama Bear Day, and you're going uh, gonna to hear this in the message if you're watching or you're listening outside and you're just getting the radio. Um, seriously, this is, this is a time that we have to get into a different mode. This is not just please shower me with chocolates and nice things, although I'm always up for that. But um, it, it's deeper than that. There is a sound that the word talks about. There's a sound that Hannah cried when she was, she was weeping before the Lord. And she was, it was so uh, inutterable. She was weeping from her spirit. 
she was weeping from her heart so aggressively that Eli thought she was drunk. He thought she was deranged, but she was weeping and groaning on the inside. There's a sound that Jeremiah talks about, I believe, and uh, it was repeated in Matthew, where it says that there's a sound, there's a sound of Rachel weeping for her children. And it was the sound of the time when babies were being killed. There was a sound that was going out. I, I read an article, maybe some of you guys saw it on um, Everything GP and some of our local uh, news things, but we've got a new task force with our RCMP in the city because of the massively high number of sexual assaults that have happened in our city since September, and most of them have happened to children. Something is wrong now, and I believe God's got an answer for it. So again, this is not your happy, snappy Mother's Day message, but let us let, us let the cry out. Let us come before the Lord and bring, bring it as what he has to say. Bring out what he is speaking. This week I had a, you know, a message that was prepared for this Sunday. And uh, when everything shifted on Tuesday, I was just like, God, I can't even preach that. And uh, Lord, you're going to have to give me the message. What is your message for today? And what he dropped into my heart is what I'm going to speak to you today. So again, please share this around. Let's, let's, um, let's if we're going to release a prophetic word. Let's make sure it gets where it needs to go today. But we want to make sure that we hear the heart of God. And so today I'm going to be speaking about the mama bear spirit. Um, it's, the message is called the rise of Rizpah. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with Rizpah. Actually, Rizpah rising. There's the words on the screen there for me. Rizpah rising. It's a, she's a woman in the Bible with a very unusual story that I believe God is highlighting for our uh, situation today. Uh, I know it's definitely for this province. It may go further than that, but I'm going to speak it over this province today. And we as a people in this city, we're going to gather into that. We're going to partner with that. But today... We're believing for the word of the Lord to go forth and to land where it needs to land in order to bring life where it needs to bring life. And so let's just pray and then get into it today. God, we thank you that you are such a faithful God. Even as we've just sung, you are the cornerstone. You are the solid rock on which we stand. You are the firm foundation. You are the anchor for our soul. And so God, even in these shaking and shifting times, I thank you that you are enough. And so God, we recognize today that our hope is not in the help of men. Our hope is in you. We are crying out to you today, God. We believe that there is something that needs to be broken open. Uh, there is a sound that needs to be released from your people in this hour. There needs to be a turnaround, God, in the heavenly realm as people come and they fall on their faces before you. And so, Lord, today I pray that your word would come forth as you intend it. I pray that it would find the ears and the hearts that it's meant to find. And God, today we pray that there would be a turning point. Lord, that the cry of the mothers of the land even would be representative of the cry of the bride. As the bride cries out, Lord, and recognizes our desperate need of you, our desperate need for a move from heaven, a desperate need for redemption, God, in the middle of this time of brokenness. And so we lean into you today, and we lean into your word, and we pray that it would go deep in us, and it would transform us in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. All right, so today I got the Mama Bear shirt on, because Mama Bear mode is something that everybody is familiar with. This is not, this is not a woman's message, by the way. I was talking to Wayne about this, and I said to Wayne, you know, the, the thing is, if we go mama bear and uh, the, the things that we're talking about today, it's tempting for men to check out. 
So women are totally fine with going, you know, when we hear a message on rise up with a Daniel spirit, rise up with a David spirit, rise up with a Jehu spirit, women are totally like, yeah. Men here rise up with a Rizpah spirit, and we're like, no, that sounds girly. I don't know how men are supposed to process this emotionally, mentally, but you are the bride of Christ. So deal with it. There is a weird crossover that happens. This message is about, it's not male or female. It's about a a spirit. It's about an atmosphere. It's about an attitude. And everybody knows it doesn't matter if it's a cow, it's a goat, it's a bear, it's a horse, whatever it is, you do not get between mama and her baby. You do not want to, if the mama feels that that baby is being threatened in any way, she goes into a different mode of focus. She goes into a different way of functioning. She is, something primal comes up on the inside and she will lay down her life for that baby, right? That's a thing that happens. It's a primal thing that God has put in. And interestingly enough, science tells us, psychology says, if they do, um, they've done questionnaires and studies all over the place and they've asked men and women, if you were in a, in a crisis situation and you could only save yourself, your spouse, or your child, who would you save? Men and women both will lay down their life for another. But men will more often than women choose their spouse and women will choose the baby. Wayne says it's because men, men say we could just make more babies. But I, I don't know, that's man thinking. But either way... <laughs> Either way, there is something in a woman that cannot, it cannot walk away from her child. Like the word tells us, can a mother forget her, her crying infant? Can a mother, and her nurse, nursing infant, she cannot. There's something that God's put in there. So that mama bear spirit is something that we see that has risen up over and over and over in history. And it's not a female thing so much as it's, you know, God is neither male nor female, right? He's, he's the whole, he's God. And so there's aspects that when he made us in his image, there's parts of him in all of us. And so we want to tap into this one part of him that fights. It's the part that stands up. It's the part that protects. It's the part that, that leans in to sacrifice for the greater. And so one of the examples of the people who did that was Rahab. You remember the story when Israel was coming in and they were going to go and take down Jericho. And Rahab goes, I have a feeling that God's on their side. And so even though everybody else sees something different, even though the rest of our city is mocking them and teasing them and and resisting them, I'm going to choose to do the right thing. And she makes a deal, not for herself, but herself and her family. She says, "If if I help the spies to escape, will you save me and my family? And they say, if they're in your household when we get there, then yes, they're safe. So she puts her life on the line for herself and for her household. One of the other ones is Abigail. Abigail ended up being one of the wives of David, but the story is she was married to a knob, total jerk, um, who really super arrogant, honestly. (laughs) He He was not a quality man. And so David and his men had come and they'd asked for a meal. They'd been uh, protecting his sheep and guarding his land and they asked for a meal and he went off on them and Abigail comes behind his back and she says, don't don't hate him. I'll I'll bring you what you need. I'll bring you what, what, what you deserve. And she intervenes and she intercedes on behalf of her household. She knows that if David's men come in and they go to war, they all die. And so she goes in to protect her household. There's something that she knows is a greater need. Esther is another one who rises up. Esther is one who, she gets told 
do not think that just because you live in the palace, you are not going to get uh, the same thing that happens to everybody else. Don't think that this will escape you. And so she ends up coming into a place where she rises up on behalf of her people, and she decides for herself, you've read the words, you've heard the words, if I perish, I perish. But she knows she has to do what is right. There's a war cry rising up on the spirit of God. There's a, there's a mama bear kind of anointing, a Rizpah kind of anointing that's rising up on the inside that's not, and hear me on this, it's not against governments, it's not against, it's not against people, it's a bet against this situation that has landed upon us that we are party to that needs to be and can only be remedied by a move of God. We have to press into this. There's the story of Deborah. We know the story. She, she actually was a judge in Israel. She, was, she knew that it was time to go to war against Sisera. There was battle between the kingdoms. And she said that, that, that village life had ceased or there had been a breakdown of society until she arose as a mother in Israel. And there was a mama bear thing that rose up on the inside of her and she led the kingdom into battle and they won. They won with the help of another woman, JL, who, just see all these happy, kind, sweet women. JL lured the king into her tent, gave him some milk, nice warm milk, place to lay down and rest, and then she drilled a spike through his head and killed him. That's what I'm kind of talking about. In the spirit, not in the natural. It's that mama bear thing that is ready to fight. It's ready to do what is necessary to see things made right, to see things turned around, to see things turned right side up again. We need that kind of breakthrough. Romans 8, 18 to 19 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. In the Amplified, it says it this way. It says, for I consider from the standpoint of faith, from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. Isn't that good? It's not worthy to be compared to the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. For even the whole of creation, all of nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. I am here to tell you today, I haven't even got it in me to just say, Happy Mother's Day, be well and prosper. I have it in my bones to cry out, we need a move of God. That is the only answer. We need a move of God. And I know for absolute fact that God said that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I don't believe the problems that we have right now are governmental problems. I don't believe they're people problems. I don't believe they're medical problems. I don't believe they're structural problems. I believe they are kingdom of God problems. And we have defied him as a province, as a people. We have turned away and we've gone to our own wisdom and our own way of doing things. And we are living the consequences. 
And God is calling us in this hour to rise up. He is calling the mama bear spirit to rise up on the inside. And I am asking you, lean into this word today. I know it's not perky. I know it's not happy. But it is the answer. It is the word from God. And this is, this is the word that God has given, is this Rizpah rising. Rizpah is a woman who knew pain, who knew suffering. And if you've got your Bibles with you, Flip them open to 2 Samuel 21, and her story is there. She's, I don't believe I've ever heard a story preached on this message. I don't believe I've ever heard a message preached on this story. That's how far ahead of, I'm backwards with how I'm saying things. It's not a, it's not a perky tale, but it does have a principle in it that I believe God is calling us to. And so we are going to lean into this today. And we're going to hear the story of what happens when a nation is outside of the order of God and needs to be made right again. So 2 Samuel chapter 21, the story starts in verse 1, and it goes down to chapter 14. And we're going to walk through this kind of verse by verse today. And I want you to hear it with your spirit. Hear it with your heart. Hear it not just with your mind, but hear it with your heart. There is something. And men, please lean into this. This is not a female word. This is about the bride of Christ rising up and and knowing her place. But it says in in, uh, chapter 21, verse 1, Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. Now what I want you to see in that is it says that there was a famine in the land. Right now a lot of people are saying, Well, I don't see why the church is so upset. This is not persecution against the church. That's not really the point. The the deal is there are families that are, are unable to feed their children right now. There are people that locked the doors on their businesses this month for the last time. They closed out and walked out because things are falling apart. There are people dealing with massive pain and suffering, trying to even engage the medical system on secondary issues because of what's going on there. There are teachers that are trying. They love the kids. They don't know how to get to them. They don't know how to minister to them. There are kids at home that feel like they're stupid because they can't learn right now. There are people dealing with mental health issues. Our suicide rates are through the roof. There is massive problem. There is drought in the land. The church cares about righteousness and justice. It it would be no good if the church was open and nothing else was. That would be wrong as well. There is a problem, and the problem is bigger than any one thing. The problem is there is a drought in the land. Are you with me? Tracking with me? There is a drought in the land. It means that everybody's affected. There is nobody right now who is not feeling affected in some way. What I find really interesting about this is it takes David three years. Three years of this. There was a famine in the land for three years, year after year. And the Lord answered and he said, it's because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house because he killed the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but the remnant of the Amorites, and the children of Israel had sworn protection to them. But Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. It's an interesting thing because it's it's a a long-ago issue. There was something that had been promised actually generations prior. There was a protection that was promised by Israel to the Gibeonites, and Saul in his exuberance and really his pride 
ended up coming against what God had said. Going on a little bit further, it says, then what shall I do for the Gibeonites in verse three? Uh, and what shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, we will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor from you, uh, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, whatever you say, I will do for you. Then they answered the king, and as, a man who as for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from the remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I will give them. Wow. So there's this really twisted thing that has happened. Somewhere along the way, there's been a, a shakeup of what had been right, what had been a commandment or a commitment before the Lord, an agreement before the Lord had been made. And down the road, that agreement had been broken. So what that means is there was unrighteousness in the land. There was a place where the king had stepped into a place that he shouldn't have stepped into, and he'd done some stuff that he shouldn't have done, and it was affecting the whole of the land, and it was going to cost blood. It was going to cost a retribution to be able to see it uh, shipped, to be able to see things break open again. And so as this story is going on, we know that there's a, there's a fight. It's not about who they're against. They're, they're not against the Gibeonites. They're not against the, you know, the situation. They, they need to get right with God. So when David comes before God and he says, what's the problem? Why? He's, he knows that his issue is about God. It is with God. And that's the main focus that we need to understand. So going on a little bit further, uh, they, uh, they asked for the seven men to be brought before him. Let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul whom the Lord chose and the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took basically two sons and five grandsons of Saul. Verse nine, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. And so they fell, all seven together, and were put to death in the days of the harvest, in the days of the beginning of the barley harvest. So I want to stop right there. And this, I know you're thinking right now, probably this is like the most gruesome Mother's Day message I've ever heard. It's going to get worse. Um, just dig in. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. That's the nature uh, of cleaning things out and seeing things repaired and restored. And so we need to understand that when we are moving forward, the stuff that even we're seeing right now, when we're, we're, we're seeing there is a problem. Like David said, there's three years of famine in the land. He came before God. What is the issue? We need to know that it is about the current situation. It is about what, not what we are against, but it is about what we are for. It's not about what we are against, it's about what we are for. What we are for is the things of God. What we are for is the word of the Lord. What we are for is the move of his spirit. What we are for is the healing of the land. What we are against is irrelevant. We focus on what we are for. And we know when things are out of alignment, what we are for needs to be adjusted. And so in this story, we see these deliberate actions that, that uh, begin to take place. There's a correcting that's going on. There's a, re, you know, coming into place again of what's going on. 
So it says that all these guys are put to death, seven of them. Basically, they have a, a hanging hill, a hanging tree. Um, Mount Gibeah is, is actually called the Hill of the Lord. So they hang these seven guys. It's a massive lynching, seven guys before the Lord. And this was actually an act of righteous um, recovery before God. This was their offering. This was us, them saying, before God, we've done everything we can to make things right. It's a weird act of repentance, but you got to keep in mind, this is in the day of an eye for an eye, right? This is, this is pre-New Testament. This is pre-grace. And so back then, this was justice. This was, this was how things were done. Verse 10, now Rizpah, who's the mother of the two boys, that, so there was two sons, five grandsons that were killed. She's the mother of the two sons. Now Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the late rains poured from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the streets of Bethshan where the Philistines had hung them up after the Philistines had struck down Saul and Geboah. So he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged, and they buried the bones, uh, all of them, in the tomb of Kish, his father. And so they performed all that the king had commanded, and after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. So this is an incredibly gruesome story, but I want to just walk through this with us a little bit today. We're going to just look at some key points, and I I want you to hear this. Again, hear it by the Spirit. I know this is a weird word. Prophecy is sometimes, but we need to hear it by the Spirit of God. Number one, there was a problem. There was a problem that just sometimes we got to pause and say, there is a problem. Right now, you know, this time last year, we were like, There seems to be a problem. We don't know how bad the problem is. We don't know how far-reaching the problem is going to be. We don't know how we're going to respond to the problem. We don't know how people are going to act, function, live beyond the problem. We don't know, you know, what, what the structure is in dealing with the problem. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. Right now, we need to understand there is a problem. And further than that, it's a problem that only God can explain. It's a problem that only God can explain. David had this. Three years in, he was like, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what else to say. We're doing the best. You know David was a worshiper. David came before the Lord. He was a man after God's heart. He was consistently seeking God. But in this case, he's like, I don't know what's going wrong. So he came and directly asked God, what is the problem? We have to pause long enough to ask, what is the problem? There had been this famine three years But finally they stop and ask. The Lord answered, and basically, because he's the God of justice and righteousness, he said, Saul did this thing. He broke the commitment that was made before me. Essentially, uh, you know, they're talking blood and guts kind of stuff, but essentially God said, the issue is there is unrighteousness and injustice in the land. There is unrighteousness and injustice in the land. We are living in an era right now where there is unrighteousness and injustice in the land. And God is not pleased. 
It is not okay. It is not okay that the way we're scrambling around trying to solve our own issues is bringing about further injustices, further unrighteousness. The things that we're dealing with are not political. They are not natural. They are spiritual. And the enemy is he is on his A game right now, and the bride of Christ needs to stop long enough to ask God, what is the problem? What is the problem? God, you tell us what is the problem. We have to lean into his wisdom. Number two, then the seed of pride had risen up. The seed of pride had risen up. And so it tells us that Saul not only had broken the agreement with the Gibeonites, it says that he had risen up in his zeal for Israel, for Judah. He'd risen up in his zeal. And the word that's used there, the phrase that's used there, it says he was, he was like arrogantly jealous. He was proud. Let me just say, now this is where this is Alberta directed. I have, I have heard so many times from the beginning of COVID, from the oil things that happened, you know, the year before that, the issues that we face, I have heard on repeat, Alberta pride, Alberta pride, Alberta pride, Alberta pride. We will come through this because we are resilient. We will come through this because we are strong. We are the first, the, the first district to do this, the first region to do this. We are the highest, the best, the fastest, the smartest. We have said this publicly over and over and over again. And I believe the seed of pride has been sown in this province and it's causing us problems. We have to humble ourselves before God and seek his face. There is an issue with us saying how good we are. There is not a person on the planet who is not a wretched, broken soul without Christ. We all are. And if there's something good in this province, it is because of him. It's because of what he has deposited here. It's because of what he has entrusted to us. It's because our foundations of faith and the roots of righteousness. And we have turned aside from that. And we have said, look how good we are. And we have said, look how fast we can respond. And look how ex extravagantly we can give. And how much we can, how much we can pay people. And how fast we can do. It's wrong. In our zeal, we have forgotten humility. In our zeal, we have forgotten to lay our lives before the Lord and say, God, your will, not mine. It's your strength. It's your ability. It's by the grace of God. We have forgotten where we have come from. Proverbs 14, 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The Passion Translation says it this way, a nation is exalted by the righteousness of its people, but sin heaps disgrace upon the land. Wow. So this is where we are. Number three, things needed to be made right before God. Things needed to be made right before God, and maybe we wouldn't put it the way, you know, do it the way they would do it. Hopefully not. This is, that was justice in their day. Justice looks different in our day. But they had to make things right before God. And so David went to the Gibeonites and asked them, what's it going to take? What's it going to take in your eyes for us to remedy this? What's it going to take? What does justice look like to you? 
And so the Gibeonites responded, and David said, okay, then that's what we're going to do. And he was honoring the agreement that had been made generations before. He came back to that place. And so there's a two-sided cone to this kind of being made right before God. There is recognizing that something is wrong, and then there is the choosing to do what is right. There are two sides. And if we don't choose to do what is right, then recognizing that something is wrong is irrelevant. Recognizing that something is wrong demands us to do what is right. Um, Dieter Uchtdorf says, true repentance brings us back to doing what is right. To truly repent, we must recognize our sins and feel remorse or godly sorrow and confess those sins to God. True repentance brings us back to doing what is right. This is when when we read the words when God said that if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. We can't control all the way up the pipe. We can control us. We can begin to intercede in the spheres around us. We can do the right thing. We can choose to make sure that as much as it is possible to us, that we are doing what is right. And part of that is, are we even interceding? Are we even praying? Are we even honoring? Are we even loving? Are we living out of the flesh or out of the spirit? Because there comes a time when we have to say, I am, I am ready to do whatever it takes to walk back into the favor of God. I am willing, I am ready. So in verse nine, it says that they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. They, there was this moment that they, that they uh, had to deal with. They were dealing with broken agreements. They were dealing with injustice. They were dealing with pride. They were dealing with corruption. They were dealing with unholiness. They were ignoring the cry of the weak and the hurting. That was what was going on in David's day. And God said, okay, actually, I'm gonna hold back the rain until you figure out that you need to get back on your faces and get it right. That same description sounds like our society to me. It's the same thing. There is injustice. There is unrighteousness. There is the cry of the hurting, the broken, the lost. And and we seem to be having a hard time navigating where to point it, where to aim things. And so this group of, of people had been brought to this moment in time to make things right before the Lord. Number four, then the spirit of Rizpah began to rise up. I just call it the mama bear spirit, but the spirit of Rizpah, her name, Rizpah, means a hot stone. We know that the word calls us living stones. She was a hot stone. She was absolutely on fire for the things that were in her heart. Now, one of the things that was very interesting about Rizpah, so obviously she was a concubine of Saul, meaning she was a secondary wife. So when Saul was killed, she was left a widow and her only hope of provision would have been her two sons, and now they're taken from her too. She had a reason to grieve. She had a reason to cry. She had a reason to curl up in a ball somewhere and just wish she was dead. She had a reason to recoil from life. She had a reason to stand back. But instead, she did something else. And it says that Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock. And from the beginning of the harvest until the late rains poured from heaven, she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day or the beasts of the fields by night. What this is talking about is she takes herself, see, because this was a, an act before God, she didn't fight it. 
She knew whatever it takes for us to be right before God, it is what it is. And so she, they, they leave the bodies hanging on the tree. They don't cut them down. The description that we're given there of the timeline, where it says that it was from the beginning of the harvest, which is the month of Nisan, that's March, April, until the time of the late rains, which is the month of Tishri, September, October, meaning for six months. For six months, she said, okay, if this is the price that it takes to be right before God, I will park myself right here. And nobody is going to steal this offering. Nobody is going to stop what God needs to have done here. Nobody is going to intervene on this repentance. Nobody. If there is a price to be paid, I will pay it. It it has to be guarded. I will lay down my life to make sure that things are made right before God. I will give of my time. I will give of my comfort. I will give of my natural state of mourning. And I will choose to come. And I will sit here in front of the dead. I will sit here in front of the fallen. And I will grieve by prayer. I will grieve by worship. I will grieve by intercession. I will make sure that this offering is not stolen. I will make sure that they didn't die in vain. And so this is what she does. She parks herself up there six months. Can you imagine? Six months. So the first, she gets up there. Her sons are hanging on a tree. And you know everybody looked at her. And they're like, oh, poor, poor Rizpa. Of course she's grieving. She's going to probably need a couple days to be up there. Oh, but she's not, she's not mourning in the normal way. She's not sitting there just looking to be comforted. She's there on the offensive. She's there in a different state. And, and, and as things begin to decay and things start to happen, she stays. And people are like, Rizpa, it's not healthy for you. You've, all, you've, you've offered your sons before the Lord. Something's, you know, the, the, the sacrifice is there. You just need to leave things up to God, you know? You can't change the rain. You can't change an answer from heaven. And she's, she is determined. It, it, it says that she stayed there day and night. In fact, she's sitting there in the daytime. And as the, the bodies begin to decompose, she starts to see that the, these vultures are beginning to come in in the daytime. And they begin to, like, come after her sons. They begin to come after the sacrifice. And she's not sitting there just sad anymore. She's looking and she's like, my, my child was, was, was the cost for things to be made right. You will not, you will not Steal the sacrifice. You will not distract me from this offering before the Lord more than anything else. I need things to be made right before God. This nation needs something to be made right before God. And I will chase those buzzards off. I will not let them land. They will not steal the offering. They will not intervene on what it is that's happening here. Now, some of us right now, you've got, you, you know God's calling to you to your knees. He's calling you to fast and pray. He's calling you to intercede. He's calling you to make things right. And you've, you've begun. And you, you were like those first few days, you sat there and you went, okay, God, we repent. We repent. We're sorry, God. I come before you. I am, I am one of your people. I humble myself. I pray. I seek your face. I turn from my wicked ways. But then the vultures start coming in in the daytime. And they want your time and they want your attention. And they want to tell you that you have the right to just walk away because this is getting ugly. 
It's getting worse. What's the point? And you need to get aggressive and start chasing those things off. Nothing will steal the repentance. Nothing will steal the humbling. Nothing will steal this moment when God's people will pray and seek his face. We chase the buzzards off. We have to get aggressive right now. And in the same way you would defend your child's body hanging off a tree, you defend the righteousness of God in the land and the call to justice, the call to what is right, the call to humility. You defend it with everything you've got. And I know you're tired, but fight some more. I know you're tired, but get on your knees. Get on your face. Fight off the buzzards. They can't stay. There hasn't been an answer from heaven yet. And so we contend until there is. This is the thing that Rizpah did. This is the war cry that came up from her on the inside. She was like, if we are going to do this thing. See, she knew it wasn't just about her kids. She knew the nation was suffering. So yes, she had a right to mourn. Yes, she had a right to grieve. But she had a bigger call on the inside. And she was, after all, a queen. Maybe she was a secondary wife. Maybe she was cast aside. But you know what? She had been brought into that kingdom for such a time as this. And so she fought, and she fought, and she fought. And then it says that she, she fought in the daytime over these vultures. And then at nighttime, she fought over these wild animals, and they would come in. And you can just imagine, she's been there for month one, month two, month three, and she's sitting under the tree. And the, she looks at those bodies that are hanging there. Nobody else cares. People left her a long time ago. People think she's crazy now. People think she's just nuts, and she's chasing off vultures by day, and she, she begins to drift off to sleep because she's just tired. How long, God? How long? Before we hear from heaven, how long? How long, God? And she, she, knows, she knows she can't quit because there hasn't been an answer yet. There hasn't been a breakthrough yet. And she, she drifts off to sleep. She's tired. She's weary. She can't stand to see her children in that state. And yet she hears this growl from the bushes behind her. And it's dark. She's alone. And there's a part of her mind that goes, you know what, this is crazy. You should just go home. But something on the inside of her rises up and the spirit of Rizpah gets up and she hears that animal that's coming and he's heading towards the feet of her son hanging on that tree. And she starts swinging. You will not take this gift. You will not steal what God is doing. You will not. This is not, this is not Wonder Woman. This is not Xena Warrior Princess. This is ugly. This is mean. This is a mama bear coming out from the inside going, you will not have your way any longer. Justice and righteousness must be restored. And day and night she fought. Day and night she fought alone. Why isn't everybody? Why isn't everybody seeing things the way I'm seeing them? Why isn't everybody responding the way I'm responding? It's irrelevant. Are you responding the way God's calling you to respond? Day and night, day and night, Revelation 8, 4 says that incense is the prayers of the saints and 
Psalm 141.2 says, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifices. We know according to the word there is meant to be that incense of prayer and intercession day and night. Prophetically, Rizpah, as she's chasing off the vultures in the day and the wild beasts at night, it was the equivalent of offering that sacrifice day and night until we hear from heaven. Until we hear from heaven. Number five is restoration. It says in verse 11, David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, had done. And then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh Gilead, who had stolen them from the street in Bethshan, where the Philistines had struck down Saul and Gilboa. What had happened was radical dishonor. Radical dishonor and desecration of the dead, and nobody had done anything about it. Injustice and unrighteousness. And nobody had done anything about it. So then, they went and got them. He brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there. And then, they gathered the bones of those who had hanged. Six months Six months of intercession, six months of defending, six months of standing there in the night hours, in the morning hours, defending. We haven't heard from God yet. Righteousness is not restored yet. Justice is not restored yet. I will stand. My children did not die for nothing. We didn't pay this price for nothing. This nation must return to God. We are not walking through this for nothing. We must be right before God day and night, day and night. About six months in, King finally shows up. He goes, turns out you had it right all along. See, six months ago, David said, yeah, let's go halfway. I'll give you the seven guys. You do, you do something. You, you know, I can recognize that there's a problem. But he didn't bother restoring anything. He didn't bother doing what was right. Six months in, after one woman contended for a nation, David comes and he gathers things up and he sets things right. Can you imagine how it felt to her? Like, not to be too gross, but seriously, six months in the open air. What she looked at that morning, what a relief to her heart it must have been when the king's men came and said, that's enough. You're not alone. We're standing together. Let's do the right thing. What a relief it must have been. And the most interesting thing is it says then, they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country, of Benjamin, of Zila, the tomb of Kish, his father, so they performed all the king commanded. And after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. The restoration requires this kind of intercession, this kind of thing that goes beyond what is comfortable, beyond what is fair, 
beyond what feels good. And it digs into that primal place that knows, because we all want to fight something right now. Injustice, unrighteousness. We have walked away from God. And it, it would be fabulous if every level of government, every level of structure in our society would pause and return and get on our faces before God and repent for the sins of the land and begin to make things right again. But, but we're not there yet. But if today you hear the Spirit of God calling, I'm telling you there's an anointing on the inside that God is pulling on that is deeper than what you think you've got. It's the place beyond I can't anymore and into then he can. God, use me for your purposes. It is being willing to get on our faces before God and repent for stuff you, you have no connection to whatsoever. But on behalf of this land, we repent. On behalf of the injustices, when, when, when we read articles about the, 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 the sexual assault in our city is so bad, they've developed a separate force to try and to harness it. We should have such a guttural cry come up from the inside for the unrighteousness and the injustice that's going on. We need to ask for mercy. We need to beg God for an intervention. It's not that he's withholding. It's that we as a whole, as a people, have asked him to step back. And so if we will step into this place, if we will give this time, people are asking right now, what do we do? You know, all the, the restrictions and the stuff that's going on. The instruction that we've gotten from God is to fast and pray. And I believe not in a just, well, there's nothing else to do, but in the attitude and the spirit of Rizpah. That fight on the inside that says we will make things right before God. We will come and we will repent. We will seek his face. We will intercede. We will do what needs to be done to see things come into alignment with his kingdom come, his will done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe strongly right now that just like King David, he's like, I don't even know what to do. And he, he came before God and God showed him. I believe our leaders right now don't know what to do. I, I, there's not a person amongst us that would have an answer in this moment. There's not a person amongst us that wouldn't be raked through the political coals and, and strung out to dry on the news uh, reels because it's not a human problem. It's a spiritual problem with human consequences. But God is calling up the church to be equipped by the Spirit of God a piece of that, it, you know, the Spirit of God manifests, He manifests in so many different ways. Sometimes it's unusual peace. Sometimes it's unusual joy. Sometimes it's unusual passion. In this place, it's radical intercession. And the Word tells us that this is the gift with the Holy Spirit that we get to partner with Him and when we don't even know how to pray, the Spirit makes intercession with us. There's a sound that can be released that's strictly of Him. We partner with that. We need to contend. Not just because we're hurting. Not just because our loved ones are hurting. Not just because we wish things were normal again. But because God has put his finger on this land and he says it's his. But we've chased him off. 
And if God's people will stand in that place, I believe there's a release from heaven that we've never experienced. We may feel weak, like Rizpah. We may feel robbed, like Rizpah. We may have every reason to let somebody else fight. But he's calling you. And he's calling me. And there's something about that spirit in a woman, in the bride of Christ, that will fight when it's for the weaker, for the one that can't fight for themselves, for the one that needs someone to stand in that space and contend. We need that. We need to step into it. I'm going to have the worship team come again. And if we could close with Cornerstone again. But the phrase, somebody spoke to me on, uh, I think one of the posts, said we will stand together on our knees. I like that. We will stand together on our knees. So I'm inviting you in this season, I'm inviting you, this, uh, these prayer targets, we're gonna start with three days. I don't know what's gonna happen on the other side of it, but I believe God's inviting us into something that actually doesn't end until we hear from heaven. It was time for Rizpah to move on when the rain came, when there was an answer. And he's inviting us into this place that is next level. It's, it's interceding. It's engaging heaven. It's laying down our own comforts to partner with him, whatever it takes, however we're called to move. But we can't. We cannot just wait for some secondary solution. If you haven't had opportunity to read the prayer targets yet, I'm just going to read them out for you. These are the things that we're going to be declaring over our city. If you're watching from somewhere else in the province, please feel free to jump on and, and print them off for yourself and input your, your name and your city wherever it might apply. But we're going to pray for healing for the land. Pray for hearts to be humbled before God. Pray for forgiveness on behalf of the land. Pray for healing. Pray for believers to rise up and intercede for the land. Reverse any curse spoken over the land. Declare God's goodness, authority, faithfulness, and majesty on the land. We're going to pray for unity in the body of Christ and in families. We're going to ask God for the spirit of unity in the body of Christ. We're going to pray against the spirit of division in the body of Christ. And we're going to pray for love and oneness in families. We're going to pray for a return to God as a province. Pray for repentance and salvation across the province. We're going to pray and ask God to cause the hearts of people to be turned towards him. We're going to pray for authority in authority over COVID. We're going to stand in the authority given by Jesus and declare healing over the land. We're going to pray that no evil plague shall take over the city of Grand Prairie or the province of Alberta or the nation of Canada or wherever you're interceding from. And we're going to declare that the power of COVID shall bow to the name of Jesus. That is our that is our promise in God that every name that is named it has to bow to the name of Jesus. And we're going to pray for the medical community and frontline workers. 
Pray for strength and grace and wisdom for all the medical teams and frontline workers. And we're going to ask God to protect each of them from any trouble. We're going to pray for leaders. We're going to ask that God grant all leaders in politics, churches, business, family, etc., the needed wisdom to lead people according to the will of God. We're going to pray for salvation and the fear of God for all leaders. And we're going to pray for the glory of God over our city and our province. That the body of Christ in the entire province needs the manifestation of the glory of God. God manifests himself in different ways and at different times for his own purposes to be established. We're going to ask that God would manifest his glory in this season to protect his church. We're going to ask that he would uh, pray that God would show who he really is to those who don't yet know him. And we're going to declare the power of God's glory to fill Grand Prairie and the entire province. We're going to partner with heaven. Every one of these prayer targets has scripture. We're not praying out of our own wishes, our own wills. We are stepping in to righteousness and justice in agreement with heaven. Moms, I do wish you a happy Mother's Day. And I pray that today you wouldn't feel helpless or powerless, that the fear that has attacked your mind, that the ache that is in your arms to hold those that you love would be met in Christ today, that your heart would be filled up in him, and that even today you would feel the call to this level of intercession to stand and to contend. Maybe you've paid a price already that you can't get back. Maybe you've lost something that can't be returned in this lifetime. Turn it into seed. That there would be a harvest. And from the place of whatever pain you're feeling, pray, intercede. There are thousands more who feel just like you do. Pray for them. For families in this hour trying to navigate this season, Sometimes it's like, I, I, don't have, I don't have room to think about intercession and prayer and, and engaging like this. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. We're just trying to keep food on the table. That's exactly what David recognized the entire nation was doing. Everybody was trying to keep food on the table. But the problem wasn't a farming problem. It wasn't a vineyard problem. It wasn't a livestock problem. It was a God problem. And so the answer that we need to be able to provide for our families to meet the needs that are right in front of us, it's found in him, always and only found in him. The, the frustrations that you might feel with the, the obstacles that are in front of you right now, it's, it's not the real problem. See, everything in God is freedom and life and light and joy and peace. Not perfect but there's a place of life in him that can only be engaged in him, through him. So let's agree together today. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder of this hidden woman in the Bible. Lord, this hidden woman of yours who was chosen for a season, who was chosen to make a prophetic statement. God, who went against the, the natural uh, need that she might have felt, Lord, to step into the supernatural and to defend righteousness and justice before you. 
God, I thank you that she shows us that place of strength beyond our weakness that only comes from you. God, I thank you that your word promises us that when we are weak, then we are strong. And so God, right now in our weakness, we come before you and we ask you, Lord, for your strength. We ask you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to ignite us on the inside. God, the same way that Rizpah's name means that she was a hot stone. God, I pray that we would be made hot on the inside, that the fire of passion for you, God, would burn brighter than ever before. And God, the places where we've been frustrated and hurt and anxious, God, we would bring all of that before you, and God, it would be channeled into something productive, partnering with heaven, declaring your kingdom come and your will done. And Lord, as we prepare ourselves for this three-day fast, we ask you, God, to help us to be aligned with heaven. We ask you to search our hearts, see if there be any wicked way, and lead us in the path of life everlasting. God, I thank you for the invitation to partner with you. God, we're about to get out our sackcloth. We're about to get out our intercessory sticks and stones. And we're about to do what needs to be done. Lord, we thank you for the invitation. And we trust you that you who have promised is always faithful. We thank you, God, that you who begin a good thing are faithful to complete it in us. So as we begin this path with you, Lord, may that spirit rise up on the inside of us, the same fire that equipped and empowered Rizpah. We thank you for that fire of the Holy Spirit that ignites us for your purposes. And we choose to be anchored on you and in you through all of this. We give you the praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go out with a song today. Again, bless you. Blessings to those who are in the parking lot. Um, we're going to keep you apprised if anything changes. In the next couple weeks, we're, we'll plan to keep doing things like this. Um, any of our midweek programs, if you're wondering about them, check with your leaders. They'll have answers for you. But let's actually do something today. We're not going to just mourn Mother's Day. We're going to raise the mama bears. Bless you. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.